This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. forever so get in on all the action now with DraftKings the leader in one day fantasy sports DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign up that's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network you can play daily fantasy basketball and it's simple just pick your lineup stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply and see DraftKings.com for details. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the House of Hockey podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Breezy. <laughs> Ray Ray. It sounded like you were like, um, which podcast am I recording right now? Where are we? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I, I, sometimes I'm just, you know, a little spacey. My head's always up in the clouds. Hey, for good reason. You're keeping an eye out for unidentified flying objects, and you have every reason to based on the recent video you showed me. I was flipping out. My skin was like crawling. I was like, what am I watching right now? (laughs) Describe the video of what you you sent me. Okay, so my brother is a, uh, a firefighter, and he was outside of the fire station because there was a lot of people like looking up in the sky and so he sent us this video that uh that he took and it's basically like a long light or a a long string of a bunch of different lights and it like took up the entire sky from what it looked like from the video that that he sent us and you could see that there's like stars on the sides but then there's like like a train of lights like kind of moving slowly but like never really gaining or like losing momentum with the one in front or behind them so yeah I don't know what it was yeah you sent me that and I was like oh snap that's a UFO probably I I said an alien but (laughs) probably but I felt super bad because when I sent to you it was like 11 o'clock at night my time so it was super early for you and I was like kind of mad because I was like why did it just happen? I need her to respond to me now. (laughs) (laughs) I was totally in bed. I'm sorry. I woke up to it and was like, oh my God, 
I had never seen anything like that. And the, and the GD government said that it was <laughs> satellites. I had never seen satellites like that before. First of all, I didn't even know we could see satellites. Do satellites have lights on them? Yes, because I look up in the sky quite often, as everybody knows, and you can <laughs> spot a satellite because it is this tiny little light. It's, it looks smaller than a star. Mm -hmm. um actually it kind of could be a star it's smaller than the bigger stars i'll just say that and you could see it go and it's just a steady pace and it just goes and goes and goes across the sky okay it's really cool to see and it's kind of like a competition that my family has they're like oh who's who's gonna spot the satellite first and i'm usually one of those because i have contacts that are very very good very very sharp i can spot them really good um but knowing what a satellite looks like in the sky and seeing this video, granted, I didn't see it with my own two eyes, but seeing it in the video, uh, those are a lot bigger than a satellite. That is not in orbit. It is clearly in our little atmosphere here. And it is, it's not a satellite. Hovering. I'm sorry. We're no. not, you know, putting Christmas lights up in the Grinch. There, there's no string light that's that was shot out of some rocket that is a bunch of little satellites. Sorry, I don't buy it. We didn't even say who our guest oh, was shit. on this episode. <laughs> no, we didn't. We just dove into it. Well, our did we introduce again. him? We're in the clouds. Yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah. So this week we are talking to Tony Brar. He is um, a reporter for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Breezy, I don't have the document open with like the official title. Ah, okay. So Do Tony is the, yeah, he's the TV host and digital content creator for the Edmonton Oilers. He worked as the color commentator and reporter for the NAIT OOKS men's and women's hockey teams. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, so he's used to being in front of the camera. He's, you know, going to tell us a ton of good stories. Uh, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, you'll hear how he got into hockey. Um head nod to dad, speaking of, of dads and influences in people's lives and all kinds of other exciting stories that he can share about, um, you know, working for the Oilers, the team that yeah. he grew up watching. I mean, how cool. Yeah. And of course, you know, we had to ask him about Connor McDavid because <laughs> would it even be a conversation about the Oilers if we didn't talk about Connor? I know. Can I just eye roll though? I mean... <laughs> I'm like, yes, he's really talented. That's it. <laughs> crickets, crickets. That's about it. <laughs> will he get a Stanley Cup with the Oilers? More crickets. Or will we see history repeat itself? <laughs> and will Connor end up becoming a king? Crickets, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Anyway, the world will never know unless you're a time traveler and we go to the future. We got to start looking up to the sky more and saying, beam me up, Scotty, or whatever yeah. the saying is. Is that even right? I don't even think yes, that's right. It is. is. Right? I actually was walking around the house after I saw the video and I was like, right, right. <laughs> the front door on. Everything that has gone down in the last four days between the New York Rangers and the Washington Capitals. <laughs> What the F is going on? Like, the tw everybody is, like, up in arms about Tom Wilson. And then 
all of the people who are Capitals fans are like, he didn't do anything wrong. The Rangers GM and president gets fired because they put out a public statement disowning the, the Department of Player Safety with the NHL. The NHL fined them $250,000. Um, what? And then they had that the brawl, the, this, the next game they played each other at, mm-hmm. puck, at the opening puck drop. They just went into a whole lot. What's going on? <laughs> well, first of all, Tom Wilson is notorious for doing Tom Wilson things. Did he need to do what he did? Probably not. There could have been a better way to do it. But granted, this is the sport. Did, what Did he do anything wrong? Probably. I watched it. I was like, ooh, that's a little dicey. Probably shouldn't have done that. Uh you know, don't throw, but in the heat of the moment, did he know, I mean, these are hockey players. They're supposed to be good on their feet. Mm-hmm. Did Panarin lose an edge and did he fall down awkwardly? There's both parties that are involved. Who knows? Uh, should it have happened? Probably not, but did it happen? Yes. Did the consequence should have, should have been more than what it was? I think so personally, just based off of his record. Um, I don't think that, you know, a $5,000 fine was, he probably should have at least had at least one, two, maybe even three game suspension just based off of his record. Um, but man, that guy must be smiling ear to ear because he pretty much got away with murder. And basically uh, the Rangers are six feet under right now because they literally lost everything in that game. Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't get, they didn't qualify for the playoffs, the, the fourth seed. They, that was the game that knocked them out, I think. They lost two players, two, you know, higher ups and 25, no, $250,000. <laughs> I, okay. First of all, what Tom Wilson did to Panarin is something we've seen a lot from yeah. a lot of different players throughout the years. Um, after the whistle's been called, they've been known to shove a player to the ice. Like, is this, am I just missing something? Like, is this new that it's not okay to do that? Like, we know it's not okay to do that. It still happens. And punching his head into the ice. And then he gets up and then he grabs Panarin and then throws the dude down like head first into the ice. Again, Panarin wasn't wearing a helmet. Did he lose an edge? Did he fall awkwardly into the ice while you have six foot four, 200 and however many pounds of mm-hmm. Tom Wilson using all of his strength? I mean, what is hockey today? Is it no, no more whatsoever fighting at all? Because like, if that's the case, then, you know, this kind of behavior from Tom Wilson shouldn't be allowed and he should be thrown out of the league. Like if, if that's as far as we're going to go, but like, just 20 years ago, this was totally normal behavior, shoving a guy's head into the fucking ice. Like, we've had interviews with players on here who said that they purposely shoved a person's head into the fucking ice and they lived to tell the tale. So it's like, I just, I have a hard time accepting the um, uproar of, yeah. of, of anger about it. Like, I don't ever want to see a situation like that where if Panarin really did get hurt, like in, in a place where his career ended, like I don't support any kind of behavior like that, but mm-hmm. getting a little roughed up and roughing up and doing all that. And then on the flip side, 
that game, the second game that they played, people were dying to watch. So it's good for the sport. It's good for the league to it to an extent. Like I don't want players getting injured where it's ruining their career. Right. But I think people like this and Brad Marchand are like, this is kind of what makes this interesting. You know, you've yeah. got these characters. I don't, I, I just am Although having a hard I was, time. Yeah, I was reading comments. And I mean, under every single photo now that the NHL posts, there's people on there. And a lot of the comments are basically just saying, suspend Tom Wilson. They're not really saying much else other than, yeah, the $5,000 fine's fine then I feel like now they're not really talking about what he did. I mm-hmm. think that they just want him to have some sort of suspension, which I guess comes down to what he did. But is that all that they're now saying? Because, I mean, he has been punished, but do they just want him to now be suspended? Because now the fights are all over. They're not going to play each other anymore. The Rangers are out. The The Caps are in. TJ Oshie scored a hat trick, which then everyone is, you know, fans of the Capitals again. I think we're in an in-between in stage in the league and in cancel culture and times of, of just people thinking that their opinion should be right and their hate for a player like Tom Wilson. And that's fine, but you don't hate Tom Wilson when he's on your team. You oh. want You want him on your team. Do we have nothing else in the NHL to talk about besides Tom Wilson? Like, there's nothing else going on. Like, let's talk about the Jets and how the Canucks can actually maybe make the playoffs. And, like, based on numbers, I saw that the Canucks could actually make it despite the crazy season they had. Um, I mean, the Canucks are in a little bit of hot water, too, with the... one of their players, but I don't, I don't, we don't need to talk about that. Okay. But, no, I mean, let's talk lot- about that because like, there's other things that go on in this league besides Tom Wilson. <laughs> it's true. It is true. I think that there's a lot of things that maybe aren't, I think what happened with, well, no, I think it was brought to everyone's attention and, you know, with the Canucks public statement that they put out about uh, Jake Burton, I think is his last name. Is that how you say it? I don't I even don't know. know. Sure. Um, sexually assaulted somebody or something like that there's an ongoing investigation now but i feel like that was almost overshadowed by the tom wilson thing which hello i mean you got a you got quite a big difference there with the way that the season was with the divisions with Mm -hmm. you know the short games or the short shorter season and whatnot i think there's so many rivalries going on that everyone just hates each other it's playoff hockey the (laughs) The fans are in that mode right now. I mean, the last getting to the playoffs, that little stretch is almost just as bad as the playoffs because everyone is just freaking out. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. I said it at the beginning of the season that this was going to be a year where we got to see some hardcore rivalries, some new rivalries develop, and it was going to be good for the sport. Period. The end. I think that played out to be really true and I think maybe we got more than we had hoped for I love it I loved it I felt like this whole Rangers Capitals thing to me was like reading People magazine and like the gossip of like 
what's what happened now and then and then this happened like you can't make this up this is like real reality tv playing out before our eyes as hockey fans and we should be thrilled that this is happening because this is exciting um and nobody's career ended as a result of all the things that happened so that's why we can be excited about it and just relish it and enjoy it and you know what rangers get yourself a goddamn fucking enforcer and take out tom wilson go for it i don't care go go beat the shit out of him take him down punch his head into the ice that's that's what the self-policing nhl is that's why the fighting was there and when you start taking that away you're gonna get worse injuries with players because they're going to get cheap shotted and checked into the boards at a high speed or at the wrong angle on purpose. And then a player's really going to be out for the rest of their career. So keep the fighting, go watch ice guardians. And then you can have a discussion with me about Tom Wilson. (laughs) Boom. Mic drop. You have free will to make a choice. Do you want to stick around and watch? especially when it comes to something that's out of our control. Like all these people who are just still commenting on every NHL post saying suspend Tom, guess what? It's not going to fucking happen. It's over. It's done back. (laughs) They're not going back in time. It's over. He's here to stay. Get over. We can't control what the NHL does, but we can control if we want to watch it and support it and and give them the views and the viewership and the numbers and the fans or you could choose not to that's true yeah so gtfo yeah (laughs) in other news let's bring it back a little bit your boy and i'm gonna say your boy because you need to talk about tj oshi yeah i was like which one? Sharpie? Which one? Barzal? We're going to talk about uh, TJ Oshi. He yeah. scored a hat trick three days after his dad passed. Uh, I feel like you have a little bit of a uh, heartstring tied to Oshi based off of your uh, experience of uh, kind of having an interaction with him. Yeah. Um, so I host a live stream on a brand new platform called View Live, V-E-U-E Live, um, every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, where I talk hockey, show game highlights, etc. TJ Oshi is one of the founders of the platform, and it's about to go public soon. So stay tuned if you want to start your own channel. Make sure to check out um, what I'm doing and you can get a feel for what you can do. But either way, um, TJ has joined in on a few of my live streams in the chat because you can chat along with me. And he is just a really awesome guy. He's one of the good ones. And his dad was battling either Uh, Alzheimer's Alzheimer's and... He was just really grateful that his dad got to see him win the cup when he did a few years back and that his dad did remember, you know, that that moment had happened and, um, you know, he'd been battling for a long time, but they, TJ announced that his dad had died and he took a couple days off. And then when he came back to the ice, all the players on the Capitals had an emblem sticker on the side of their helmet that said coach. That's what, um, was his dad's nickname and they all just rallied around him and he scored a fucking hat trick. I mean, God, what a beautiful moment and just the pressure 
And the mental strength you have to have to, to not only like process how you feel about losing your father, and then three days later, you come back on the ice and you have to perform. And then it's after all of this crazy yeah. nonsense that we just talked about. But it puts it in perspective. And all the Capitals at the end of the game, after he scored that Hattie, um, just rallied around him. All the hockey hugs. And they all just support him. And in that moment, I saw something that I think is really important. And we talk about this all the time is the camaraderie. And I think the Capitals are going to go very far in the playoffs because of that. That ability to band together, just really, like you could see they really love Osh. Like they, yeah. you know, you could feel that coming through, you know, mm -hmm. and it's those kinds of moments that I love to see in hockey the most are those. Not the Tom Wilson dramas, though. They are fun <laughs> to let me get on a soapbox and rant about. But uh, lots of love and condolences to the Oshi family, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And another great thing that had happened. What? Andrzej Kopitar hit 1,000 points. I saw that. That was cool. That was awesome. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of good things that happened this week in the hockey world, or I guess yeah. this past week, uh, when this episode comes out. So... Even though there's some weird, hard moments and some controversial ones, maybe, and some that, you know, really irritate you, there's some that should uh, really make you happy, whether it's your team or not. Um, the sport is moving into a positive direction uh, some way, somehow. Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, and the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season, or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next year? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Jack Eichel will be here. Sam Reinhardt going to get extended. You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. All right. So here we go. This week we have Tony Brar. He's the TV host and digital content creator for the Edmonton Oilers. He's also worked as the color commentator and reporter for the NAIT Oops men's and women's hockey teams. We hope you enjoy this chat with Tony. Yeah, I, I guess dry sidle. I would be like more of a dry sidle fan than I would a McDavid fan. That's Why just my that? personality. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I don't know. I just sort of feel like. Well, I, I said this on our pre-show. I was like, McDavid is talented, but like, is he going to get a cup with the Oilers? And then Breezy's like, crickets, crickets, you know? <laughs> but no, and then I said, well, history repeat itself, and yeah. will McDavid come to the Kings? 
Mm, like interesting Gretzky. interesting shades of 89 shades yeah. of 89 right yes. <laughs> i think he's very he's very 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 talented he deserves to be as successful as he is because you know we've heard stories from people who grew up in the same neighborhood as him and, and you know he would be outside in the in the um you don't have alleys there in the the driveway that's what those are called yeah. The driveway, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, skating and and practicing and keeping his speed up, and he's so talented. And I just don't know what it is. I like cannot get on the McDavid train. And every single Oilers fan right now listening yeah, yeah. to this is like, "F that B," because they, <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, but that might just be because I'm a Blackhawks fan. So I've got like the Kane and Taze thing. And, yeah, of course. And I just like, I love that dynamic. And the McDavid, McDavid is just like, he's feels to me like he's in the other room, like down the hall, like unattainable on this like special pla planet pedestal yeah. of like fame. Um, but we don't, I don't think his skill is as appreciated because like there isn't a cup behind it or like some other great line mates that make it even greater, you know, that like yeah, amplify for sure. it. For sure. But you can't comment on that because you work for the Oilers. So don't do that <laughs> well, and well, don't I get can, yourself I, in trouble. <laughs> but that's how I feel. <laughs> I can definitely talk about the greatness of Connor McDavid and certainly yeah. talk about the shortcomings too. Honestly, I can't, I, I really can't. So. Everything's free game. Well, tell us then about his greatness and tell me why I'm wrong, Tony. I'll tell you why you're wrong, Ray Ray. Uh, the reason, okay, so I put out a tweet last night and I, I still can't put my head around it because I was doing all the research and stuff. On April 17th, Connor McDavid had 69 points in 42 games going, in, going into a game against the Winnipeg Jets. That's already incredible enough right? Last night, he reached 153. That's 31 points in his last 11 games. And oh, by the way, that includes one scoreless outing against the Flames. So if you really, really think about it, 31 points in 10 games of scoring. Yeah, I don't think I mean, we'll ever see something like that moving forward again. I mean, it's, it's incredible. You can't argue with that. And, yeah. but what are the point numbers of all the other people that play for the Oilers? Like, what's the disparity? Give us some context. <laughs> well, there is some disparity because you guys obviously know uh, Dreisaitl uh, is second in league scoring. And a lot of people argue he's the second, third, or fourth best player in the world. But uh, of course, when you have a guy like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, there's going to be quite the large gap. I mean, the third leading scorer is Tyson Berry. And I think he got an assist last night. So... 46 points on the year in 53 games, still immaculate production from, especially from somebody on the back end. And then the next guy is actually his defensive partner. Darnell Nurse is out also having a career year, career high, 16 goals, 36 points, 53 games. So you can really tell that, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a, a top heavy team when you look at the score sheet, but for the first time in a long time, there's also a lot of depth, especially with the addition of Ryan McLeod a few weeks ago. All right. Yeah. We'll let that live and speak for itself. And yeah. Breezy, do you have any thoughts on this conversation? I mean, I think that McDavid is just a legendary name in general, first of all, right? And I yeah. think you just need to 
recognize greatness when you see it because yeah. there's not going to be another player like McDavid for a very, very, very long time. And yeah. I think giving, I mean, you just got to respect the guy's play, first yeah. of all. And I mean, just like any other player, hater, I mean, there's going to be haters everywhere. But as a hockey fan, I think that there's every single person is going to have a little bit of respect for him regardless. So that's just what I'm going to say. Well, I don't hate yeah. him just for the record. You don't hate him. <laughs> I you just, think he's great. You just he's don't great. think he's the greatest, but you still have respect for him. I have respect for him, of course. Of course. You, you know you know what the biggest thing for me is? Whether it's hockey, I'm a football fan, I'm a tennis fan. I, I watch all kinds of sports. I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport before I'm a fan of anything else, right? So for me, it's like, let's put away our swords and let's watch the best players in the world play our favorite sport. Yeah. Right. Because I know I can't, I can't even do that in div division seven ball hockey. I can't put up a hundred <laughs> points in 53 games. And this guy's doing it against national hockey league players. And in a, in an era where coaching is, is everything, you know, mm -hmm. people coach against this guy. These are the best athletes and he's still putting up a hundred points in 53 games. That's incredible. You can't, e yes. you can't even do that in NHL 21 without like, a exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> seriously. You cannot. <laughs> You could turn it on rookie mode and you can't do it. Like it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Unless you have a cheat code, which Unless I don't think Connor McDavid has any cheat codes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Even that makes it hard for him to, to be there. I think that's, that's fair. That's all fair. And it is wonderful to see that. And that's, that's what I, we both Breezy and I love about this sport. You know, we love watching hockey, period, end of story. Yep. You know, we have our teams, but we love this sport and this community, you know, just as much as we love our respective teams. But since you were talking about the fans and being a fan, because you grew up an Oilers fan. So yeah. describe Oilers fans. What are they like now? What was it like for you growing up? And then, you know, what are they like in the arena? One thing about this community here, especially in oil country. And yeah, there's, there's a pretty good representation because I travel with the team as well. And they're well represented on the road in a lot of Canadian and American cities. I know like Arizona is always a hot spot for, for Oilers fans. Uh, there's a large Oilers contingency there. Uh, Las Vegas actually has a pretty good, healthy Oilers, Oilers crowd uh, fan base, I should say, as well. Uh, they're knowledgeable. And my goodness, are they too knowledgeable? Sometimes I feel like they can do my job for me. Like, seriously, like, <laughs> and, and like, I feel underqualified sometimes because I, I may put out a tweet and somebody might say something to that tweet that actually makes more sense than I even realize. And I'm like, my goodness, this is probably one of the most passionate and knowledgeable fan bases there are in the game of hockey of course you have your original six franchises ray ray your chicago blackhawks fan um detroit uh, toronto of course montreal boston i mean yeah all, all the you know I, and by the way i don't know the original six teams i'm just looking to the left of ray ray there and <laughs> yeah the tony doesn't know, know anything he needs me for all this now <laughs> yeah exactly you're my resource but um you, of course, you have your original six franchises deeply rooted. Uh, the Boston Bruins was the last one, New York Rangers. And those are phenomenal fan bases, but I would put Edmonton right up there uh, amongst the best in terms of the most knowledgeable and passionate fan bases there are. So for you growing up, what was it like being just, just a fan before you were working for the organization? You know what? I always... Uh, 
I, so this is a little bit of a, of a deep answer for me. And, and the reason why I like to go deep with it is because it's why I love hockey and it's why I will take the time to watch hockey games. I will schedule my schedule around hockey games, even if the Oilers aren't playing. And it all starts with my dad. So just to give you guys a little bit of a backstory, my mom and dad came into Canada in the early 80s. Uh, they immigrated from India. My dad had a, a work placement and then all ultimately turned into a full residency. And then he got his Canadian uh, citizenship. And my dad didn't have a lot of friends or family here with him. So the only thing he really had was a wooden TV and Oilers hockey. And of course, you guys know in the 80s, that's when the Oilers were in their heyday. Five Stanley Cups, you know, 84, 85, 80, 87, 88, and 90. And, you know, some of the great players of this that this game has ever seen. Number 99, Wayne Gretzky. 17, Yuri Curry, who was my dad's favorite, by the way. Uh, Grant Beer, Paul Coffey, just to name a few. And he fell in love with hockey so much that that was the connection he had to his new country. And then when we grew up as his kids, my dad would always work uh, construction jobs outside of the city. And he would be gone for sometimes months at a time. But he would work rotations and he'd be back on some Saturday nights. And that was our connection. That was literally the foundation of my relationship with my dad. And there was nothing like sitting in his lap, watching hockey night in Canada. Of course, the Leafs are always on five o'clock local here. And then followed by the 8 PM puck drop with the Oilers, sometimes against the flames, sometimes against the coyotes, you name it. But that was why and is why to this day hockey means so much to me that's crazy so did you know from like the young age that you wanted to work for the oilers or in hockey in general breezy great question so um when i was growing up i actually wanted to be a weatherman i wanted to be a meteorologist <laughs> i'm, I'm not even kidding it's okay Look. i love it i love it i, I worked wanted... in news tony so i like totally understand everything you're saying i wanted so... to be like katie couric and now look at where i am so i get it we picked the right path tony we picked the right exactly. path we picked the right path that's right but i don't know why there's always something that kind of gravitated towards me uh, for me towards being a weatherman and it's because they were always having fun. You know, they're like loosey-goosey. You worked in a newsroom, Ray Ray. And, uh, you know, you have to be pretty serious with the news. Of course, if it's a devastating story. Uh, but the weather, I mean, it's just the weather. You can have fun with it. And, and you never have to be right with the weather. That's Exactly. <laughs> Nobody can hold you accountable because, let's be honest, who really knows what the weather is going to be like tomorrow? So, uh yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I get teased about it all the time, but I'm a big believer in owning up to it. You know, when I was in grade three, grade four, grade five growing up, I would literally run home and I mean sprint home so I can catch the local weather news before playing <laughs> hockey for the rest of the night. So my priority was weather. And then obviously as I grew older, I grew more of a fascination for sports uh, that I already had ingrained in my blood and I wanted to work in hockey. But I talked myself out of my dream for many, many of years, like for a long, long time. I would say from 13 years old to about 24. So nearly over a decade, I should say. I talked myself out of the dream. And then on, I'll remember the date for the rest of my life, November 2nd, 2016, 9, 17 p.m. I made the decision to go chase my 
childhood dream of working in front of a camera. So, and what was it? What happened? Uh, I, I, you know what? So I graduated with a business degree from an institution here in Edmonton. And truthfully, I was already working for a company and they promoted me as soon as I graduated. And then just months after that, they promoted me again. And I was finding success. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I had a stable job and everything on paper looked great, but it's what matters in here. Mm -hmm. Right. I felt like there was no direction. I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions. There wasn't anything burning my desire or my fire. Uh, and I remember that day, November 2nd, as soon as I finished work, I got home at around 4 PM and I literally sat in my room for about five hours just to kind of contemplate like, okay, I need to change something. I need to get out of this rut. And then I made that decision that night. And truthfully, professionally, it's been on an up, on an incline, I should say, ever since. So uh, I'm very grateful to, to be even in the position of making a decision like that. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I mean, it's cool how like, and I think that comes down to hockey. I mean, you play with so much heart and then knowing, or I mean, when you were playing, you know, as you're younger too, just kind of bringing that with you to, to use your heart to, to get you to a decision to do well, what you want to do. That's pretty cool. And it, it's amazing because I've experienced the, a time in my life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And now that I wake up every day with this, literally, I wake up with a smile on my face. I know it sounds so cheesy and corny, but I literally wake up and I'm ready to go. It's not hard getting out of bed. The food tastes better. Sleep, you sleep better. You work out better. Everything is just better when something is burning your desire sure. and providing you feel. And that's why I love what I do every single day. And I try to have the most fun with it that I can. And that's a gift because there are so it many is. people who either can't do that yeah. or, yeah. you know, aren't able to, or, yep. you know, all of those things. So I think you're a great inspiration to, to everyone listening to, to follow what really lights them up every day. Um, take us into, uh, your world now that you are living yep. in your, your best life. And <laughs> what is something that people don't know about your role um, as a broadcaster and a reporter with, with the Oilers. Like we've yeah. talked to a handful of, of reporters with different teams and such. So I would say our audience has a pretty good understanding of the day to day, but yeah. what's something unique or interesting or funny or weird or like what's in the press room, uh, like meal room, like what's yeah. a quintessential Oilers food or like, you know, like, do you have to take like 25 elevators and stairs to get where you need to go? Or like, give us a little something that we, we might not know. Okay. So, uh, two things came to mind primarily work-wise and I'll try to come up with a little bit of a more fun answer to that after the two. So, uh, I'm also a digital content producer for edmontonoilers.com and Oilers TV. So uh, people don't realize how much video editing and how much writing that I have to do as well and how much time I really have to spend on that. Um, you know, I know not not your viewers because your viewers are knowledgeable. You guys said you guys have had so many people already on board. So they probably know more about my job than I do now. Let's be real. Uh, but a lot of people, there's a misconception almost that, People think you just kind of walk up, you grab a microphone, you talk, and then you go home, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's all you do, man. It's so easy. 
but right after that, I'm spending hours on video editing. I'm spending uh, hours preparing uh, for the next day. Uh, you're always on the go. You know what I mean? Like you're always kind of checking your phone, checking the latest scores, checking the latest stats. I'm a big stats guy. I'm a big numbers guy. Um, so I like to be in the know all the time. And, you, you know, I just had a phone call right before you guys. Uh, you guys literally saw me. Hey, guys, I got to take this. You're always on call. Uh, so that's something that is easy to say, but kind of hard to execute on because you always have to be ready to go uh, no matter what you're doing. Even if you're out golfing 18 holes, you know, you got to have your phone on standby just in case something happens, something comes down the wire. You got to be ready. So, I, uh, again, it sounds great on the surface, but sometimes it can really wear on you and it really, really can. And when you face difficulties in this job, by the way, I'm going to quickly press pause there and say, Everyone listening to the House of Hockey podcast right now, these two women are absolutely beautiful in their patience and their <laughs> kindness because yesterday, from the day of this recording, I was supposed to be, uh, be on the House of Hockey podcast and they called me and I swear, they, they will attest, my hair was all over the place. I was wearing like a crew neck sweater that I just threw on in the back. Like we had everything go wrong. Anything that you could think of goes wrong. And these are like, hey, why don't you just take the day and we'll record tomorrow? So first of all, thank you guys. These two are absolute beauties, as we would say in <laughs> hockey. But now oh. to quickly press play again, that's the life we live in. Mm -hmm. Things happen. You guys work in hockey. I work in hockey. You, you have to just go with the flow. And some days it just doesn't go your way. And those that's the beauty of life as well. Not only with our jobs, but in life in general. You have to experience the tough times and the downs in order to appreciate when everything is going smoothly, right? And any professional athlete on the ice will tell you that. Any working professional will tell you that. Any student, any kid. You have to experience that to appreciate the best. So, um, sorry, I went on a little bit of a ramble there. but No, that was uh, good. It's true. So, yeah, yeah, it is true. It is true. You guys work in hockey. You guys know exactly what it's like. You have technical issues. You have equipment issues. Hey, you might even have issues with yourself. You might not be executing the best uh, of your capabilities as well. And you know what? It's okay. We got to stop being so hard on ourselves. Sometimes yeah. that's just the way it goes. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try to think of a, a fun one as you guys continue this, by the way. Okay. Okay. Breezy, you go. All right. Well, you said you do travel on the road. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite city to go to ooh, or a favorite ooh. place to visit when you're on the road? So this is how bad my train of thought is. So I said I was going to provide you guys two and I provided you one. The second one was traveling, by the way. A lot of people uh, don't realize that I did travel. And the reason why I say did is because obviously COVID-19 up here in Canada, really tight. Uh, so the team keeps a really tight bubble. So I've been staying in Edmonton all year. Uh, so one of the great things about my job is traveling. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to experience that, but I'm saying unfortunately to not traveling and still working in hockey provides perspective. I should be very, very grateful for doing that. Uh, my favorite cities on the road. I am a natural extrovert guys. I get energy when I see a lot of people. So think of the most populous cities that you come to mind. And I love it. New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, uh, even in Florida, whenever we play the Panthers, we actually stay in Fort Lauderdale and we're right off the beach and it is tremendous. I mean, before taking this job in 2018, I actually never been to the United States before. 
And I was 26 years old at that time. I was 26 uh, and I'd never been to the US. I've been to Europe all the time because I used to travel for hockey um, growing up, but never been to the US. Now I've got to experience almost every US city. There's three that I haven't been to, which I'm kind of sad about because for some reason in my three years, uh, for some, I never got scheduled to work a Carolina Hurricanes game, uh, Minnesota game, or a Philadelphia Flyers game. Those are the only three cities I haven't been to in the National Hockey League. So favorite, New York, Vegas, Chicago. Ray Ray, you'll be happy to hear that. Yeah, you better uh, now- say you better say Chicago. <laughs> I mean, what a great city. Oh, yeah. Oh, my food, goodness. The food, the oh. ease of getting around. It's on the lake. You've got these giant skyscrapers. There's a river that runs through the skyscrapers. The madhouse on Madison is electric. Oh, I mean, yeah. what more do you want? I mean, I, I'm sure you've been to so, so many uh, Blackhawks games, Ray Ray. I have. And Breezy, I'm not sure if you have, but experiencing yeah, that no, national right? anthem. Yeah. That national anthem gives me chills. Breezy, do you know what goes on over there with that national anthem? Uh, no. Oh, don't you don't know? So. I never talked Ray, about Ray, this here. You know, Ray, I might you gotta not tell her. You so gotta tell her. It's incredible. The, the, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, the guy who sings the anthem. It's the same guy, J- Jim. Uh, anyway, he's got this deep, booming voice, and he sings the anthem, but the fans yell over him the whole time. And the, uh-huh. and the, essentially the goal is to like be louder than him as he sings and he gets louder and louder to be louder over the fans. And then he always points to the, oh. the flag was still there. The flag um, was still, and, and he then does, there's a huge he, roar after that. Yes. Like he does this like dramatic arm thing where he's like still there and then everyone's like, ooh, like the whole thing erupts and like it's, yeah. I just got chills doing that and I'm not oh even at goodness. the game. It's it's it's, an, it's the only, I think, uh, team in the league that cheers over the anthem and it's such a weird experience because yeah. we're so used to being absolutely silent when the anthem is on right but and i have tried to research why we do this and i i I have not found an answer um i think i I don't know i haven't found anything official tony i don't know if you know but i have no i don't know i don't i had no idea I had no idea going into my first Chicago game. And you're like, what's wrong with these fans? Why are they yelling? (laughs) We're supposed to be quiet, right? Like, Uh, it's a a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's Breezy and any other hockey fan (laughs) listening to this podcast, please go out to a Chicago Blackhawks game (laughs) in your lifetime just once. And it will literally bring you chills down your spine. And it is actually beautiful. It's a beautiful... I don't know how long the anthem is, 90 seconds. It's a beautiful 90 seconds of just like appreciating the moment. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. Thanks. Oh, you can do no wrong now, Tony. You can talk all about Connor and David. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I'm okay. sold. You pumped my tires. I'm yeah. good. No. Bree- Breezy, I texted you before the show saying I'm just going to pump up the Blackhawks and that way I can get away with anything, right? That's totally fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you two freaking working together against me. No. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Don't worry, everybody. This was not yeah. pre-planned. In <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. Yeah, my first ever road trip to the United States was Nashville and Chicago. So, Breezy's a big Preds 
Kings and Leafs fan. So oh, three can, great teams. Yeah, you can pump three your tires. Pick a team. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We can talk about the Oilers. I actually I do like Connor McDavid quite a lot. So yeah, uh, we're good there. Yeah, yeah. I know for sure. <laughs> so then, take us into um, Rogers' place. What is that in-game experience like? Um, I have never been to an Oilers game. Yeah. Breezy, have no. you? No. Right. I haven't. So give us, like, paint the picture. What is your anthem experience like? Um, what are the, you know, chants or fans or unique things that set the Oiler fans and that Rogers Place experience apart? You know, when you walk into the rink, there's two things that you'll notice right away. And I don't know if it's just me, but um, the first thing I notice is always the scoreboard. And no matter what, I always, I always say to myself, I'm like, okay, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. You have that expectation. You look at it. You're like, wow, that's big. It is a really <laughs> big scoreboard. It literally goes just like, I think it's just over the blue line to just to the other blue line. Like it's massive. Yeah. It's a, Jeez. it's a, and you know what the beautiful thing is? The amount of uh, effort goes into displaying the right things on the scoreboard. Like you have the rings around uh that you know is a traditional scoreboard but then the video screens are like they just look so crisp um shout out to lindsey gullet uh he's the i forgot his exact role here but he takes care of all the in-game experience and i think it's like back to back to back years now that the oilers have won best in-game presentation in the national hockey league mm-hmm. and even in 2018-19 best in sport in the world Wow. Like, wow. yeah. So it is true. Like the amount of effort that goes into giving an in-game experience for a fan, whether it's, you know, it could be like feature content before the game. These guys will literally play feature content and produce these themselves uh, for fans to enjoy before the hockey game. Like if Connor McDavid got a hundred points, like he did last night at the time of this recording uh, and they put together a feature, that thing will be available for the next two to three weeks for people to come in sit down in their seats 30 minutes before the game and watch it. Like, it's really, really cool. Um, but it is it is electric when this team is going. I mean, the 2017 playoffs, I was working as a TVA, a television production assistant for Dome Productions. And at that time, uh, we were contracted out to NBC. And I got to experience the 2017 playoffs uh, while I was in school. And I could not believe the amount of noise and energy and excitement there was. It was incredible. Um, It's still really good in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's next level. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what Doug Waite's role is currently right now. I think he's still a coach in the National Hockey League. But Doug Waite, he was asked to uh, list the five best cities during the playoffs with the hockey news. I think this was a number of years ago, about six, seven, eight years ago. Of course, he played in Edmonton, as you guys know. But he said, Edmonton is number one, two, and three. And then the list starts after that. So the energy is truly dynamic here. And as I mentioned before at the starting of this podcast, well, my segment uh, of of the podcast, these are some of the most passionate and knowledgeable fan bases in the world, right? So, of course, when you give them the playoffs, and of course, you guys know the decade of darkness, it was a really long time uh, between playoff runs that the Oilers, as we mentioned, you got to, you got to experience the downs in order to appreciate the highs. Well, they really appreciate the highs now. So 
state-of-the-art building. Uh, for us media, it's really easy. I mean, our media room is fantastic. I never got to experience Roger's place on the media side. Uh, I started working in hockey just after the Oilers uh, began playing in here. So state-of-the-art facility. Uh, I've got a tour of the dressing room, and it is something that you could not believe. Like, it is unbelievable. Yeah, there's the dressing room, and then there's everything else behind it. Like, there's this massive dining table with, like, 30 to 40 seats on it. Uh, they have, like, a, 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 an in-house chef, a professional chef making them food. Uh, their gym is unbelievable. Like, it's basically, like, I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with Good Life up in here. It's like a Good Life literally in Rogers place. And then some like state of the art facility. Um, the wow. video rooms are incredible. Uh, like leather seating everywhere. Like it's, it, it is incredible. Take your dream house and put it in a hockey arena. And that's what it looks like. It's seriously <laughs> insane. And does it that's smell nice. clean in the locker room? Uh, okay. So no. <laughs> Good. That means they're doing something right. That's yeah. right. Never smells clean in the locker room, but everywhere else is uh, pretty pristine. <laughs> Go ahead, Breezy. What were you going to say? That's funny. Well, do you have any uh, game day superstitions? Okay. Not superstitions, but now a little bit of a routine, I guess. Okay. Uh, um, when I was playing, like, I, I never got to play uh, high-level ice hockey. I shouldn't even say got to. I was never good enough to make a high-level uh, high hockey team uh, playing ice hockey. But I played in uh, ball hockey. Um, just with the orange ball, basically the same equipment, but just you're basically running on concrete. I had superstitions then. There's like certain meals I had to eat, uh, you know, like, so like I said, I traveled uh, to Europe all the time. And the hardest thing for me was to get the right meals in, uh, you know, when you're suiting up playing against Czech Republic, Slovakia, United States, Sweden, all the, all the teams, uh, and you're in Czech Republic, well, you can't really have uh, – the pasta you're looking for at eight ten in the morning. So right. you kind of have to maneuver around it a little bit. Some, some exceptions have to be made. Um, but in my, in my role now, I think it's just more routine waking up three hours before I have to go to work, just catching up on everything, going for a walk. I started going for walks actually like a year ago. My goodness, they are incredible. I'm, I'm a super cheesy guy, guys. Like, cheddar mozzarella blue cheese you name it that's me and <laughs> i made a quote about morning walks yes I, i'm one of those people that makes quotes uh morning walks help you collect your thoughts seriously and I, i'll take 60 minutes 60 minutes in the morning and i'll just go for a walk i'll listen to you know one of my favorite podcasts it could be the house of hockey podcast it could be 31 thoughts the podcast it could be anything or just listen to some music or just have nothing in my ears at all but i'm moving i'm thinking about the day i'm thinking about how i'm going to execute i'm thinking about what i need to execute and that just kind of helps me put me in my zone and then i go to work and i do just that i try to execute the best of my ability some days you might have it some days you may not and that's okay that's part of being a human being uh but on game days what I really love to do is between two o'clock because that's when we wrap up all of our morning skate content and an hour before puck drop. So usually six o'clock our time, I have a four hour gap to go do whatever I want to do. Usually I like to go work out, uh, but gyms are closed here in Canada for the time being. So maybe I'll go shoot nine holes or maybe if I really, really have to, I'll take a pregame nap. 
although it's been months since months and maybe a full year since I've actually done that. So <laughs> not necessarily superstitions, but now just uh, a man of routine, if you will. Well, give good us a, those. Oh yeah, it definitely <laughs> oh, yeah. helps. Give us a good story if you can. Yep. Um, a player's story or <clears throat> if you need to leave a name out, that's fine without getting anybody in trouble or just yep. something funny that's happened to you or um, we've talked to how uh, this story hasn't happened, hasn't aired yet on the show, but maybe you were booed by an entire <laughs> arena or, you know, stay tuned for next week, House of Hockey podcast listeners for that uh, interview because I just f that up. But, uh, <laughs> you know, anything like that, something uh, memorable for you that you think the audience would like. I keep saying I'll, I'll come back to something funny, but you guys will realize I'm not a funny guy. So uh, Okay, well, then give us I'll something cheesy. Give us something okay. cheesy and sentimental then. Okay, sentimental for sure. Okay. I'll give you a beautiful story about uh, Alex Chason and uh, maybe a little bit of a funny story. I keep seeing I'm coming back to that, but I'll try my best to think of one as I'm telling okay. the story about Chason. So um, my first year in the league, 2018-19 season, and Alex Chason is one of the newest members of the Edmonton Oilers. He signed a professional trial contract at training camp, ended up getting a one-year contract. And uh, at one game in Tampa Bay, he was a healthy scratch. So he was up in the press box and I was up in the press box and I never had like a, a, a deep conversation. Of course you have your quick introduction. Hey, my name's Tony Brar. I'm new. I work for the Oilers TV. Nice to meet you. Great. That's all it was. That's up to that point. That's the only conversation we had. And I'm sitting up in the press box and I know he noticed me and I noticed him. So maybe he noticed me noticing him. And that's all it was just a quick head nod. You know, you just give the quick head nod. Just, Yep, and then that's all it is. And you continue watching the game. During the first intermission, guys, and this goes to show what a great person Alex Chason is. He pulls up the seat next to me, and he sits down, and he's like, hey, Tony, how's it going? I'm like, I'm good, man. How are you? Like, you know, how's the road trip so far? So we're, we're chatting, we're chatting. And I just thought it was just going to be a quick check-in, see how we're doing. You know, you have that relationship with the players, right? And then – he murmured the words that I'll remember for the rest of time because it just goes to show. He's like, so where are your parents from? So that alone, right there, shows that he cares, right? And if anybody knows me, my parents mean more to me than anything in this world. And so he's like, so where are your parents from? What's your backstory? Tell me all about it. And we literally chatted throughout the entire second period if you, my job is a hockey reporter. I can't tell you one thing that happened in that second period of that hockey. <laughs> we were just chatting life. And then one thing led to another. We're talking about a Stanley Cup run with the Washington Capitals in, I believe, 2017 now, uh, or maybe 2016. Sorry, I forgot the, the year off the top of my head. Um, and we're talking about a Stanley Cup run and what that was like and, and his upbringing in Montreal. And we just chatted for about an hour and a half. And then it was me who had to say, hey, Alex, I'm so sorry. I got to prep the post-game stuff. So uh, I had to kind of shimmy Alex Chase on. But, of course, him being the, the great guy he is and the great sport he is, he said, no problem. He's like, I'll see you on the, uh, on the plane. So, you know, and then afterwards, he stopped on the plane. We chatted again a little bit more. And then any time I run into Alex Chase on now, it turns into a pretty good conversation. So that's a really cool story. And really goes to show you the heart of a guy like Alex Chason. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It was, it was a really cool moment. That's awesome. I mean, I think we've talked about it multiple times and it's the guys don't necessarily show their personalities on social yeah. media, but they do make connections with fans outside of social media that, of course, you know, fans will hold on to for the rest of their lives. And you being a fan, first and foremost, like you're going to remember that regardless of what yep. your job is in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's amazing how giving they truly are with their time. I know some hockey players get a bad rap about, oh, like they don't always stop to sign. Uh, one person I definitely have to shout out here is Connor McDavid. I mean, you guys can probably imagine the number of people in a day that want a piece of Connor McDavid, right? You see Connor McDavid as a, as a hockey fan. You want to go say hi. You want to get something signed. And every single time we come off the team plane, we, we board a bus. We board a bus. There's two buses. One is for the players and hockey staff, and the other is for the media. Uh, so the player bus always rolls in uh, before the uh, me, uh, media bus. That's just how it rolls. So they roll in, and we probably roll in probably a minute or two later. Uh, and McDavid's still there. But everyone else is uh, checking in. And there's obviously some players that will stop and stay, but everyone wants a piece of McDavid, right? Uh, and there's always, and I never understood this, but there's always so many fans at each hotel we're staying at. So as we're checking in, I don't know where they get the information or flight time, all that stuff, but somehow in some way they do. And there's a flock of them everywhere we go. And all you hear is Connor, 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 kids, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, and it's beautiful to see. But what is even more beautiful to see is Connor will put his bag down, he'll put his luggage down, and he'll take a Sharpie and he'll just start signing. Wow. Every city we go to. And there's every single person is basically there for Connor McDavid. And he makes sure everyone leaves home happy. So I definitely have to give him a little bit of a shout out there because not a lot of people see that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it truly is cool. That's what we love about doing this podcast and talking to all the people we do because we get to hear more of these kinds of stories that yeah. we don't get to share or that Connor would never share himself because that's not in line with his personality to begin with, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and you're not gonna do a story on him about that because yeah. that doesn't feel right either, you know? Yeah. And that's not what people want to hear in your like a professional capacity, so to speak. Yeah, um, sure. So it's nice to hear these kinds of stories um, about the different players in your experience. And we don't need a funny story because this, these are, these are funny in themselves, but also mean so much more and speak to what we all love um, about this sport. So on that yeah. note, do you have a like, top favorite hockey moment or is there like Ooh. something that's really stuck out in you either as a, a younger Ooh. kid watching with your dad or yeah. you know up until today my first ever nhl game my mom and dad took me to as uh the oilers versus the la kings and uh it was todd marchand he scored the only goal in that game it was a one nothing final curtis joseph had I want to say 32 saves for the shutout. And I was just so happy because I got to see my favorite player who was aforementioned Doug Waite. Doug Waite was my favorite player growing up. 
Uh, I always loved everything about him. His skates, uh, he tucks in his shin pads in both of his skates. Uh, his stick is always beautifully taped with the all white from heel to toe. Um, quick story on a stick in a minute. But I remember that because the most beautiful moment was the exuberation my parents were showing because they saw me having fun. <laughs> because when my parents originally moved here in Canada, they moved for their kids, right? And now they got to see me, you know, almost in my element, just watching hockey, shouting. <laughs> and there's like a fight. And I was like, beat him up, beat him up. My dad would put me on his shoulders. The people behind us hated us. I'll tell you that right now. They hate Who are these people? And why are they here? This is not the rodeo. So, uh, but I mean, it was so special. So that was definitely my favorite hockey moment of all time, by far. Um I'll, I'll remember that game for the rest of my life. And it was against your LA Kings breezy. So uh, really cool moment. Um, now, quick story on sticks. It's because of Doug Waite that I have this huge fascination of hockey sticks. Right now, even to this day, I identify players on the ice just by looking at their sticks. Wow. Like if you, if, if, if you guys were to ask me, uh, watch, I'm going to make a fool of myself and get this wrong. But if you guys were to ask me any player, how they tape their stick, I'll tell you. Okay, how does Connor McDavid tape his stick? So he uses a CCM tax, um, and he tapes a stick, white tape all the time, for, the, for as long as he can even remember, heel to toe, white. Now, a guy like Patrick Kane, Ray Ray, mm -hmm. he uses white, but he blacks it out a little bit using a puck, and he yes. also tapes it from toe to heel. Now, hockey players, they usually tape it from heel to toe, but he tapes it from toe to heel because it feels like Instead of rolling off of the stick, it keeps it within him. That's why his hands are the way they are, because of the grooves of the tape. Isn't that in, like insane? I had never really thought cool. about it. I've seen him with yeah. the with the puck. He takes that and marks it up. Yeah, but I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know the details like that. I like that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just I, even like when I play hockey myself, ball hockey at a high level. Like the first thing I do is I just look at everyone, and I'm like the weird guy. Everyone's like enjoying themselves, socializing. I'm just like at the stick rack, just looking at their sticks. I'm like, He's looking at this. Okay. So that way when I'm in the corner, I know which sticks are my teammates and which ones are not. So uh, like a great that. story about that is on April 7th, Kyler Yamamoto, he was in a little bit of a scoring slump. And he hadn't scored in exactly one month. I remember March 7th. And they're playing against the Ottawa Senators. And I noticed Yamamoto is skating with a new stick. He's using a CCM and he's using white tape instead of black. And usually when he used black tape, he would, he would do heel to toe, but it wasn't a full tape. It was like your traditional, what you would paint as a kid, uh, not necessarily all the way to the toe, but he used white tape and he went all the way around. So I knew he was trying to change something up. <laughs> if you think about hockey players, the only thing they can truly customize is their stick. And when they need to get out of a groove or out of a rut, sorry, and trying to get back in a groove, they, that's the only thing they can really change up. And I gave that note over to Sportsnet. They mentioned it on the broadcast. Five minutes later, they scored. And he scored. He wow. scored. A month. So, uh, yeah, I was, I don't know why. I've always been fascinated with hockey, hockey players and their sticks. I like it. I feel like I'm going to pay attention to now hockey sticks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah you bet. Anytime. Anytime. So we ask uh, all of our guests the final four questions, and I will start okay. it off with 
who is your favorite hockey hunk? Hockey hunk? Yes. Ooh. Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the guy's got it all. The guy's got it all, man. Like, hey, Henrik, if you're watching this, share some of the charisma, the swag. Come on, man. At an absolute gentleman. Yeah. Abs- I, I remember my first game ever in the Madison Square Garden. He took the time, five minutes. I just wanted to say, hey, Tony Barr from Oilers TV, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about his pads. We're talking about everything. And he just took the time. And you can just tell the way he conducts himself, incredible human being. All right. So who is your favorite hockey lady? You know what? I'm going to have to go with one of my favorite broadcasters. And this isn't my one of my favorite lady broadcasters. This is my one of my favorite broadcasters. And her name is Jennifer Botterill with Sportsnet incredible on the desk my goodness does she ever have knowledge for the game and she's as smooth as a cucumber so i'm gonna go with jennifer botterill nice and do you have a sydney crosby story um kind of i mean uh so after the post game my first time ever uh doing a pittsburgh penguins game um as soon as we finished up in the Oilers locker room, I asked my camera producer, I'm like, hey, man, can we please sprint to the to the freaking uh, Penguins restroom? I'm like, I think I need to see Crosby. Uh, who doesn't love Sidney Crosby? Uh, and we're literally bolting, bolting as fast as we can. And I, I'm like literally sweating profusely. And now keep in mind, this is a game day. I'm in a suit and I'm sweating. I swear, those armpit stains, they were showing. And... <laughs> I get in there and they're like, one final question. And I, and I'm the guy that You're just like, got there. And, and I literally talked over somebody in order to get my question in. And I felt so bad, but I needed to get a question in on Sidney Crosby. So uh, that's a great story of Crosby. Um, but another beautiful story, and I promise I'll make it quick. Sidney Crosby is probably what a great human being should look like. Um, and what I mean by that is there's a great story that is told around the National Hockey League that the Pittsburgh Penguins hired a public relations person, uh, brand new to the organization, and Sidney Crosby got a hold of him and just, just to welcome him, hey, when you come into town, welcome to the team. Sidney Crosby is reaching out to him. And there's a great story that Sidney Crosby actually picked him up from the airport, took the time out of his day to show him around town, showed him the good spots in Pittsburgh and the not so good and took him to the rink and made time for him or her. I don't know if the public relations person was a male or female, but that just goes to show the man that Sidney Crosby is. I had never never heard heard that that story. No. Yeah. 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 I feel like we just got a little like insider information (laughs) and I like it. Yeah, that, that's it's a great story that it I've is. been told on at least two different occasions, and then I've I've told that to anybody who is a fan of Sidney Crosby. So that's amazing. Well, we we've only ever had good stories about Sid here, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's part of the reason why we asked the question. Of and course. Now we're gonna take you to left field with Breezy's final question. Okay. <laughs> Get oh, ready. No. Oh no. So do you have a paranormal or extraterrestrial story? Yes, I do. I actually lived in a house that was haunted oh, growing up. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I did. But 
The one thing I will say now, haunted has a very negative con connotation. Maybe I shouldn't use haunted then, but the energy in that building was good. Okay. And I promise you that I promise you whoever or whatever was living in my house growing up, it was a good, good spirit. Um, I remember, and this is a pretty crazy story and people roll their eyes all, all the time at me here and that's okay. My mom was choking on food at like 2 a.m. one night and my sister felt a tug on her arm. Okay. And she, she, she probably thought like, you know, when the, when you dream, uh, dream of like falling off a building or something, you wake up, she just thought it was one of the jolts. Right. So she's like, she's awake, but she's like pretty tired and she's closed her eyes and she's ready to go back to bed. And then she feels another one. And then she's like, all right, something's up. Like, like what the hell's going on? She's kind of freaking out. And then she opens the door. My mom is literally outside the door choking. So then my sister calls out for my brother and I, and we do the Heimlich maneuver and we got the food out. But that is just an example of the, <laughs> the spirit or whatever it may be that was living in our house. Oh so God. that's crazy. Yeah. It was, I've never like people roll their eyes all the time. Like, Hey, this guy's just making things up. He loses all credibility as a reporter, but no. I promise that's a story that my sister tells to this day. Uh, and like every single night we would hear footsteps at like three seventeen, like on the dot three seventeen AM in the kitchen. Like it was crazy, but we haven't encountered anything ever since. So wow. That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> I, look we're believers that's why we okay. ask that's yeah. why we ask we're not uh, that would be horrible if we were in like naysayers and we were like yeah. tell us your tell us your ufo story and then be like mm, no that fool like no 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 we're we're believers we've all our satellites questions. yeah <laughs> now i'm sure i'm sure you guys have probably already shared your stories but i'd love to hear one from you guys if you guys have one because now you guys have my interest you know, actually, Breezy, I have one that I forgot to tell you because oh. on our pre-show, we were talking about all the satellites and the, the UFOs that you were seeing, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about that, right? Or was that yeah. whatever? Either yeah, way, was, yeah. the other night I was, I take my dog out for a good night oh. pee. We have our routine. He goes out, he comes in. I turn off all the lights downstairs, right? I go, I check all the switches. I turn off all the lights. I'm walking around, we do all the lights. I go into my room, I close the door and the heat was up too high. I'm on the East Coast and I was like, I hate hot. So I'm like, oh, I have to go and turn the thing, the thermostat down. So I like roll out of bed and I go over to the, I can't see cause it's dark. So I turn on one lamp and I go over to the thermostat. I turn it down, I turn around and I'm walking back to turn the light off and either I heard something or something caught my attention. So I turned around and an entire row of ceiling lights were on that were definitely not on. They were not on. It was pitch black oh, because I had to turn wow. the light on so I could see what the hell I was doing. And I wasn't touching any other like switches. And I thought, I turned that light off, didn't I? And I went, oh great so i like walk over to the light where that switch is which is like across the room and i'm like well maybe it was like something's just glitchy but it was totally turned on and it's a circular one that you have to turn it like clicks off 
And I'm pretty sure the click on is what got my attention and made me turn around. And I was like, all right, I don't have time for this. So I just turned everything off and I went into bed with my dog and I was like, Ringo, can you just, you just protect me? Cause like, I don't my want to goodness. deal with this. <laughs> my goodness. That's wow. But I'm pretty sure I, I, I'm like, ugh. You know, when these things happen, you start to question yourself, right? Like, did somebody really pull on my sister or, or was she just, you know, having a dream yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, you do, um, you do. And I was like, well, maybe the light was on and maybe I just didn't notice, but I really don't think the light was on. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> you, whatever's here is trying to bring a message through and I'm just yeah. not getting it. So yeah. that, that yeah. happened. Easy. That is crazy. Uh, That's yeah. crazy stuff. So I love that alone. question. That's a great question. I love Good. my field questions. They're great. Good. <laughs> uh, on that note, I, that was a really long story. I feel like I was just talking forever trying to explain that. But tell everybody where they can follow you, Tony, and where they can watch all of your broadcasting and keep up with you on social media. Absolutely. I love a little self-plug here. Uh, yeah. So Twitter, uh, Tony Brar OTV, uh, obviously for Tony Brar or this TV. Um, I'm trying to think of Instagram, just Tony Brar, and you can watch all of Oilers TV content on edmontonoilers.com, the NHL app, and sometimes they'll even feature some of our stuff on Sportsnet, uh, here. So pretty cool. And, uh, I guess right now I'm technically the backup reporter for Rogers Sportsnet as well. So sometimes you might catch me on TV, but if not head to your tablets or your smartphones or your laptop. Uh, come say hi. Yes, you can talk to a screen. I promise nobody will judge you. And I will say <laughs> hi back. So guys, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I had a great time. I hope you guys enjoyed half as much as I did. And thank you again for the patience yesterday. My goodness. It was a beautiful day. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.